for checking out this message from Spring Mountain. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, swimmountcf.co.uk. Or join us every Sunday from 11am at Abbey Road in Barrow and Furness. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, then please email prayer at springmountcf.co.uk. Okay. Just want to encourage the uh, the youth, but I don't. Aren't, they are brilliant, aren't they? You know, really good. You know, young young people who are passionate to see us in God's presence. You know, that is exciting. Um, you know, we don't always all get it right. You know, it goes wrong when any of us older ones are leading, and actually, it can be difficult when it goes. Boo! in the middle of it but um that's brilliant guys thank you and those of you don't come on a first sunday evening you know they lead our worship on a sunday evening it's great you know it's great um and god uses them to bless us and they are willing you know i think who's who's had a warm welcome this morning yeah okay the warmest welcome ever in lots of ways thank you jim and mary for coordinating that it's been brilliant to have people here to pray to welcome and well done those who've been up early to serve so thank you all um i want to ask you a question have you ever had to go into an audience or a situation with somebody that you didn't know how it was going to go yeah Okay, this morning, this morning we're talking about Esther, and the title is Date Night, and it could really be Date Night with Death, really. Um, some of us might have had date nights with death, but uh, I don't know, but anyway. But um, I, uh, I've told the story before of me when I was at junior school, and whenever I was in trouble at junior well, it very rarely happened, can I say that, you know, I was, uh, <laughs> I was a model pupil, but um, if, if I got into trouble at junior school, the threat from your teacher was to go and stand under the clock, okay, because the clock was outside the head teacher's office, uh, I think it's long enough ago that I've told this that only Hilly Docker remembers this story, so it's fine, but um, you had to go and stand under the clock, and you were made to wait, and you didn't know what to expect when you got in there. The threat was you could have been slippered with a PE pump. Yes, that did happen. Terrible, isn't it? And you stood outside not knowing how long you would have to wait. And uh, more often than not, if it happened to me, which, as I say, very rarely happened, I, I used to just pretend I couldn't read the time. So I'd stand there going... Mm. Mm -mm. Not, not so sure whether people would believe that I was actually under the clock or whether or not I was actually there but I didn't know what was going to happen there was a threat of it felt like death but it wasn't there was a threat of the head teacher being severely disappointed and disapproving and it was a scary experience you know the youth band this morning they might have felt a little bit apprehensive coming to church to stand in front of all you lot you know they might have felt a bit worried and then um, the other one that I find really bad is that when you're in work, when I used to work in school, the head teacher sometimes would come through my room in the morning and say, oh, before you leave at the end of today, could I have a word with you in my office? Ah! I would spend the whole day thinking, why? Why? What have I done? And uh, that's the worst thing. So Helen, don't do that to your staff, okay? It's horrible. Or, or I've had people come to me before a service on a Sunday morning saying, can I just speak to you after the service? I'm thinking, oh. And then I'll be thinking about it while I'm here. When actually it was nothing that important. Nothing to worry about. But Esther here in chapter five of the book of Esther is about to go before King Xerxes. King Xerxes, we know, gets angry. 
He's quite egotistical. He's quite selfish. And Esther says to Mordecai, I've not been asked to go. If you weren't asked to go in front of the king and you walked in, you would die if he wasn't happy. So Esther says to Mordecai, fast for three days and pray with me. And if I die, I die. And here in chapter 5, we see what happens as she goes for an audience with the king. So if you've got your Bible, open it. If you haven't, the words will be on the screen. It's good to take notes. It's good to write down anything that connects with you, then you remember it better. So Esther chapter 5, starting at verse 1. And we're going to read it in chunks this morning. Esther chapter 5, verse 1. On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. Must have been a bit like standing under the clock, I think. But anyway, in front of the king's hall, the king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall facing the entrance. Esther is ready. She's prepared. She doesn't know what for. She is prepared to meet with the king. She's not letting her fasting show. She's putting on her best robes. But instead, she's instead ready to face either death or mercy. Death or mercy. Which one would we rather have this morning? Someone said death over here. Death or mercy. Was it Emmanuel? His sister's called mercy, so maybe he'd rather face death. I don't know. But uh, when he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he was pleased with her. He was pleased with her. And he held out to her the gold scepter that was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. So here we see mercy. We see a merciful king. A king who was known for his anger, for his hatred. A controlling man, an unkind man. And yet Esther walks in and he has compassion and mercy and grace. God is at work. God is at work. You know, God isn't mentioned, but God is at work. This king that was controlling, angry, furious, all these things, suddenly is changed. Why? Because he's pleased with Esther. Who is Esther? One of God's children. The king is changed. Then the king asked, what is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half of the kingdom, and it will be given to you. What is your request? The first thing I want to ask you this morning, all of you in this room, is if someone said to you, what do you want? If you could have one thing, what would it be? What would your answer be? Peace and... That's two things. <laughs> peace and quiet is two things. Peace, peace and... You could have one. It was Bobby. Oh, sorry, I thought it was Cameron. It was Bobby. Peace and quiet. I've got a bad squint, that's all it is. Peace and quiet. What a good question. The most powerful man in this kingdom, the most, the most impressive guy who has the power to grant these requests says, what's your request? What do you want? So what do you want this morning? You've come to Springmount Church, you've come here. What do you want? What do you want? I can't necessarily give it you, but what do you want? If somebody asked you what one thing you wanted, what would it be? Other than peace and quiet. That's quite an easy one. Shut yourself in the toilet, nobody disturbs you, it's fine. Okay? I know when I had children, that's what you know, that's what you did. Make sure you wash your hands before you come out, then they know you're not bluffing, that's fine. What do you want? The king says to Esther, What is your request? What is your request? There's a survey done 
of people that ask different ages and different genders and different demographics of people. And they were asked, if you could have one thing in life, what would it be? And what do you think the top answer was? A mobile phone. Very cynical at the back, okay? Very cynical, okay? Happiness wasn't the top answer. Happiness was about the third answer. Sorry? Money? No. Love. Love was the top answer. Not Corey Love. One love. Can I just say this? That question wasn't asked in a church... It wasn't asked in a certain situation. It was asked of people on the streets and they were told, if you could have one thing, what would it be? And their top response in some way or other was, I want love. I want to be loved. I want love. Doesn't that echo our hearts this morning? We want to be loved. And there is so much people, one of the things I can remember a survey being done of GPs and GPs were asked, what's the biggest problem you find when people come into your surgery in the morning? And the GPs mainly answered loneliness, loneliness. People go in just because they want somebody to talk to. Love. People in our world, in our town, in our lives, in our homes are looking for love. And Sadly, often they're looking for it in the wrong places. Sadly, they're looking for love in the place where they feel. I can remember Hannah, Hannah Crossgree, she was docker at that time, doing a, this isn't in my notes, so don't worry, I won't embarrass you. She did a sketch where she had a heart, can you remember that one? Yeah? And she had a heart that was beaten and she was walking around like this. And at one point she gave the heart to, to a boy and the boy sort of kept it for a little bit and then threw it on the floor and stamped on it. And then she picked it up and scraped it together and went around with his heart again and gave it to like a, a job maybe. And then the person who was employing her took the heart off her and then they sort of beat it down and beat it down. And it was a really powerful sketch because at the end of it, she scraped the heart off the floor one last time, having given it to so many different things. And she just went like this and lifted it. And that was the end of the sketch. Do you know, people are looking for love. And, you know, I believe the Bible tells us that God is love. So when people find God, they should find love. When people come into our church, they should see and find and experience love. If you could have anything this morning, what would it be? Because if it's love, I believe that's found in God. I believe it's found in the very heart of what God has for you. We've sung this morning, I'm no longer a slave to fear. Esther allowed the perfect love of God to drive out the fear of standing before the king. And as a result, the king was changed. Love, wisdom was the second choice. Happiness was third. Do you know what was at the bottom, the very last thing that anyone said they wanted? A career. And yet, what do we tend to be giving our heart to? We've got our priorities the wrong way up, haven't we? Most of us are striving for this perfect job, the perfect career, the perfect husband. It won't be found, sadly. The perfect wife, that won't either, for equality's sake. (laughs) Sorry, Lawrence. (laughs) But (laughs) none of us are perfect. We've got it the wrong way up. We're striving for the wrong things because as a church, 
I know I have a God who loves me. And perfect love casts out fear. Why can Esther walk into this scary situation? Because perfect love casts out fear. That's how Esther does it. She does it by preparing herself before the king of kings, not the king. Before the God who is God of all. And she says, if I die, I die. What are people looking for? They're looking for love. You know, the king says to her, what's your request? What do you want? It reminded me of the verses in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 that says this. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. The world is looking for love. God is love. When we seek him, we will find him. He is love. You know, there are loads of people in this room this morning who would say, yeah, God is my father. And we need to recognize that God, our father, loves us unconditionally, loves us abundantly, loves us with extreme generosity because he is love. So the first thing this morning, Esther is asked, what do you want? And I believe God is asking you the same question. What do you want? Because if it's love, I'm there. If it's love, you'll find me. You'll find love. Chapter 5 goes on. If it pleases the king, replies Esther, let the king, together with Haman, come, to get to, sorry, to come today to a banquet I have prepared for him. Bring Haman at once, the king said, so that we may do what Esther asks. Isn't that interesting? This king who's got the power to do anything, to ask anything, to say anything, to, to do anything, is suddenly doing what Esther says. Why? Because Esther is filled with God. Because God is in the, on the move. Because God is there, even if he's not mentioned. Why? Because Esther has prepared herself. Let us do whatever Esther asks. So the king and Haman went to the banquet Esther had prepared. As they were drinking wine, the king again asked Esther, Now what is your petition? It will be given to you, and what is your request? Even up to half of the kingdom it will be granted. Esther replied, My petition and my request is this. If the king regards me with favor, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and fulfill my request... Let the king and Haman come tomorrow to the banquet I will prepare for them. Then I will answer the king's question. <laughs> Bizarre one, isn't it? She's got the king and she's got Haman where she wants them. And the king says, come on, what do you want? He's, he's as keen to know what she wants as she is to give the answer. What do you want? So she says, uh, another date with you. <laughs> It's a bit of a strange one, isn't it? She's got this opportunity to go, Haman here, he's going to kill all the Jews. He's threatened my uncle. It's terrible. You've got to deal with him. Sort him out now. But Esther is full of grace. Esther is full of humility. Esther is full of wisdom. And Esther wants to do things at the right time. She didn't want just one audience with the king. She didn't want just one date night. She didn't want it to be a one-off experience. She wanted a continuing conversation. 
She wanted an ongoing dialogue to build up relationship with the king so that he understood where she was coming from, so that he saw more and more of God in her. He, she wanted to keep going so that the, the root of the issue was dealt with. And what is the root of the issue in this story? Justice. The root of the issue is justice. Justice for the Israel nation, for the Jewish people. Justice that they're not going to get wiped out because of one man's ego. But also justice for the man who's got the ego. That is the root of this problem here. She doesn't want to blurt it out and have it dealt with haphazardly. She wants to go to the root. Do you know, as we read this story, we notice she was prepared She prepared herself for an audience with the king. She was expectant. She didn't just turn up having not even thought about it. She didn't just come in as late as possible and say, oh, by the way, uh, Xerxes, can you sort him out, please? She was expectant of what the king was going to do. She was prepared to face whatever the king was going to give her. She was prepared. She'd spent three days fasting and praying. She was ready. What are you expecting this morning? What do you want? But what are you expecting? What are you expectant for? What are you believing for? Because do we come to church expecting God to move us? Do you come to church expecting God to speak? Yeah, some of you, that's good. Some of you just to get out of the, the cold. Some of you just to, some of you are the peace and quiet maybe. I mean, that's what it is. Maybe it's not that peaceful and quiet on a Sunday morning. Do we come to church expecting God to move us? Good. Thanks, Steve. Steve's here every week expecting God to move him. Do we come to church expecting God to challenge us? Yeah. Oh, there's a few more of you. That's good. You're wanting the challenge. That's even better. Do we come to church expecting God to change us? Yeah. And actually, the more expectant we are, the more we will see him do because we are waiting on him. We're not focused on our situation. We're not focused on the issue at hand. We're focused on the God of the universe. And as we look to him, he will transform our mind. And as a result, our perspective and sometimes even our situation, if that is his will. Do we come to church expectant? You know, as we read this passage, it says... The king and Haman went to the banquet Esther had prepared. She was expecting, even though she said, if I die, I die. She's already prepared the banquet ready for the king and Haman. She was ready. She was prepared for the best result. She was prepared for the best result and expecting for the king to do something. But she didn't know for certain because she said, if I die, I die. She'd paid attention to the details. Do we? Do we pay attention to the details? Not of our day-to-day life. You know, many of us have got loads of stuff going on. There's people in this room who, you know, you might be looking at houses, you might be looking at jobs, you might be looking at all of those things. You might be looking at family situations. And all of those things are important. They're important to God because he wants the best for you. They're important to God. But... Have we paid attention to the right details? First and foremost, what the detail did Esther pay attention to? She was prepared for the king coming into her banquet. She was expectant that good would come from the king. 
She was expectant to see a change. And this morning, that's the message for us. Are we prepared for the king coming into our lives and moving things? Are we prepared to change our viewpoint? Are we expectant that we can be changed? Because if we're not, we may as well stop turning up. Because if we're coming thinking, well, nothing's going to be any different, what's the point? What's the point? You wouldn't take your car to the garage and then drive it away in exactly the same state it was before, would you? That would be nonsense. You wouldn't put your child through college and university for them to come out the other side exactly the same as they were before. We expect something to happen, don't we? Well, why is that any different when we come before the God who makes everything? Why is it any different when we come to the church and we say, I'm just coming this morning because it's out of duty, or it's what I do on a Sunday morning, it's a nice place, I meet some people. We don't just meet people, we can meet with Jesus. We can meet with Jesus. Esther paid attention to the details. Do we pay attention to the details? I'm going to ask another question. Are we changing the atmosphere in our church? Are we changing the atmosphere in our home? Are we changing the atmosphere in our own life because we are choosing to praise, because we are choosing the joy of the Lord that is our strength? Are we changing the atmosphere for God and for good? If you're a Christian this morning, that is the challenge. We are to change the atmosphere. We are to be salt to make things taste good. We are to be light, to light up the darkness, to show people that the dark stuff that they are chasing is no good. It might offer a split second thrill. It might offer a couple of minutes of escapism, but it is no good because God is good. And God is light and light is the opposite of dark. And you know the exciting thing is there's very rarely an absence of light anywhere, even in the darkest of places. But we can have an absence of darkness. We can have an absence of darkness. Don't we see an absence of darkness in our town? Are we prepared for it? Because we're not just going to turn up and it happen. God wants to use us and partner with us. But we've got to be willing. We've got to be prepared. And we've got to be expectant. Are we? If we don't live in anticipation, then we will miss out on the all that God intends for our lives. That was a quote from Book Club this week. If we don't live our lives in anticipation, expectancy, then you will miss out on the all that God intends for your life. Do you want to miss out? No. Well, let's anticipate God doing things and prepare ourselves ready to be used. Esther, wasn't, she was just a, a girl in the right place at the right time who was willing and faithful and committed. Yeah? So what's that different to you? Maybe you're a boy or a man or a girl or a woman in the right place at the right time who can be faithful, willing and committed. Because that's all that God's asking you to do. No more. No more. Just to be the you he made you to be. In the place he wants you to, to be. With the people. But we need to be prepared. Esther, what's your request? What do you want? A second date. A second date. That's what I want. A second banquet. You know, as I read this, I ask myself, how many of us ever really get beyond the first meeting with Jesus? How many of us ever get beyond that first date, if you like, where we meet Jesus and say, yeah, 
I need him. Where we meet a situation and we say, God, I need you to enter into my life. I need you to forgive the stuff that I've done so that I can be clean, so that I can no longer be a slave to fear. Yeah, I want that, God. And then the very next minute, even walking out of the door, something snatches that away. And we are stuck in a first date cycle. You know, God wants us to be transformed. God wants us to be changed. And he is willing to do whatever it takes to change you, to change me, to change us. But many of us are happy with just that first date feeling. Many of us are happy to just say, yeah, I need Jesus, thank you very much, but now I'm going to carry on doing whatever I like, thank you very much. That's what I want to do. You can come into my life, but don't change me. (laughs) You can come into my life, but don't stop that. You can come into my life, but I'll still like to control everything, thank you very much. That's what we're like, isn't it? Esther didn't just want one date with the king. She wanted an ongoing dialogue that changed her and that changed the king's mind. She wanted more than just stopping the issue. She doesn't want to just come with a request, see it answered, then stop. How many of us do that in our prayer lives? We come to the king with a request and then we stop. We come to the king next time we've got an urgent issue with a request and then we stop. Yeah? That is what Esther is teaching us here in this book, that we don't just have a meeting with the king and then that's it till the next crisis hits. We are called for an ongoing dialogue with the king of kings. We're called for a relationship that doesn't just go to a first date, but a relationship that goes on and builds, that goes deeper, that becomes more meaningful. That means that we see a difference in our lives from what was to what is now and to what will be. You know, there are many people in this room who have been transformed by Jesus. In the last couple of months, it's exciting. But if we stop there, we'll just stay babies. We get transformed and we go deeper. We, come, we ask him into our lives and we say, God, you've granted my request, now what's yours? What is your request? Because you've come into my life, which was my request. Don't just have a meeting with the king and then stop. A conversation we want that brings our lives to the one that says, what do you want from me? If it's his love, he'll be there. If it's his presence, he'll be present. He longs nothing more than to hang out with you. If you've seen the shack, he is especially fond of you. And he wants to spend time with you. Yes, he knows what you're going to ask before you ask it, but he still wants to hear it through your eyes and through your heart. Esther is faithful to what she said she would do. She humbles herself and is expectant and prepared. She is wise and committed. Great qualities, aren't they? But what about Haman? Let's look at the rest of the passage. Haman went out that day happy and high in spirits. That could be some of us this morning, couldn't it? I hope. (laughs) You come out of church today happy and in high spirits, you know, because God has been present with you and he still is as you go out the door. Esther went out that day happy and in high spirits, but, and this is what some of us will encounter today, a but, okay? We won't go there, Corey, okay? Haman went out that day happy and in high spirits, but 
When he saw Mordecai at the king's gate and observed that he neither rose nor showed fear in his presence, he was filled with rage against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself. I love that. I love that bit. Haman restrained himself and went home, calling together his friends and Zeresh, his wife. Haman is raging. He's absolutely fuming. He is so cross. Your teachers at school, you would never see a teacher in such a bad mood, you know. Your parents, Haman is raging. He's raging because Mordecai, the person who disrespected him, the person who bruised his ego, who maybe wouldn't do, you know, bow down to him, is still not doing it. He's still that little splinter in his finger. He's still that little fly in the ointment. And in this case, that might seem trivial. You might look at that and we might read this passage about Esther and go, well, that's a bit pathetic really, isn't it? It's a bit pathetic that he's upset with this man who won't bow down to him. But you know, this morning, I believe we can still have a meeting with the king and go out from here only for it to be stolen from us by unforgiveness, by bitterness, by people who, wants, who God wants us to love. I believe you can go out from here happy, changed by God, only for a but to come your way. Unforgiveness comes in, steals it. Bitterness creeps in, steals it. A person that's upset you, you see, he steals it. God is bigger than all of those things. God is greater than all of those issues, than your unforgiveness, your bitterness. And God is bigger than the person who has upset you. Do you know what's interesting? Haman restrained himself. Why do I think Haman restrained himself? I think he restrained himself because he'd been in the presence of Esther, who was God's representative. He restrained himself from his anger because he'd gone out of there happy and in high spirits. Why had he gone out of there happy and in high spirits? I believe because he'd been in the presence of God through one of God's people. So it's interesting, isn't it? It's amazing what being with the king can start to do. He restrained himself. Maybe that's the first step. But he needs to go further, doesn't he? He needs to restrain himself a lot more than he does. It just stops him from immediately lashing out. But it doesn't stop him from going home and boasting. Verse 11. Haman boasted to them about the vast wealth, about his many sons, about all the ways the king had honoured him, how he'd elevated him above all the other nobles and officials. And that's not all, Haman added. I am the only person Queen Esther invited to accompany the king to a banquet she gave. And she's invited me along with the king tomorrow. Haman restrains himself from getting angry, but then he gathers his ego boosters around him. He gathers his family, he gathers his wife, his friends, and he says, I'm so good. Aren't I? Just tell me how good I am again. Tell me, tell me of all the wonderful things that I do. Tell me, let, let me remind you of how the king thinks of me. Let, me. let me tell you what an amazing person I am. And not only that, I've got an invite to the hot date. I've got an invite to the banquet, hey? That's how good I am. That is how amazing I am. Look at me. Do you know, contrast this with Esther. Esther, prepared, humble, faithful, 
committed, loving. Haman, boastful, egotistical, high and mighty, proud. But even though he's done all these things, what does verse 13 say that Haman says? He says this, but all of these things give me no satisfaction as long as I see that Jew, Mordecai, sitting at the gate. All this honor and special privilege and treatment, I get no satisfaction from because one man has upset me. I get no satisfaction from what the king is giving me. I get no joy from how I'm being treated. I get no satisfaction from the fact that I am honored and that I am lifted and that I am encouraged and that I am doing good things because somebody's upset me. (laughs) Speaking it like that, it sounds quite comical, doesn't it? But actually, how many of us have hearts exactly the same? I get no satisfaction from the fact that Jesus died for me. I get no satisfaction from all the king has got to give to me. I get no satisfaction from the fact that the God of the universe wants to lavish his love on me because somebody's upset me. That is what unforgiveness is. Not counting our blessings every day. Not choosing joy because people upset us. Do you know, let me ask you a question. Which one of these two people would you like to be associated with? Would you like to be like Esther or would you like to be like Haman? Put your hands up if you'd like to be like Haman. <laughs> I know you're joking, that's all right. I will, we'll, Bobby will receive prayer later, okay? <laughs> but all of us would want to be like Esther, wouldn't we? So let's be like Esther. How was Esther like Esther? She prepared herself with God. She wanted to meet for the right reasons with the king. And she went out from the king's presence, even though her whole nation was under threat of death and annihilation, not just one person upsetting her, the risk of everybody dying. And she still was faithful, humble, full of grace, full of forgiveness, compassionate and kind. Because although we want to be associated with Esther, most of us will end up being a version of Haman. Maybe not as extreme as Haman, but most of us will allow Haman traits to creep into our lives. How do we stop that? Perfect love. More of God and less of me. It's the me in Haman that makes him behave the way he does. It's the self in Haman that makes him take his eyes off the king. Not the king that's on earth, but the king of kings. You know, I read an article not so long ago of Kirsty Alsop. Kirsty Olsop, the television presenter, who was asked how she deals with her children's iPad time. And so she'd basically, they had broken the rules, so she smashed the iPads on a table. That's extreme, isn't it? Now, some people are saying, well, that's right. She's given them a warning. She's told them that's what's going to happen. But the number of comments underneath that story, I nearly wrote a found poem about it. But the, the number of comments, the number of comments about that story, people were saying, well, why did she not just wipe them and give them to a charity? You know, that would have taught them a far better lesson than if, if you don't get your way, if you, don't, if you don't go the way you like it, break something. You know, that's often our hearts, isn't it? And then she talked about she made them sleep, she made them sit in economy on a plane while her and her husband or her partner sit in club class. And the reason in being is because the children haven't paid, they haven't worked to earn that. They need to learn 
that it's far better for them to sit with strangers in the, in the cattle market at the back because they haven't worked for it. Well, she hasn't talked about the fact that they haven't worked to pay for a house, but I'm sure she still lets them in there. Um, but it's true, isn't it? We can have extremes of parenting that make us go, oh, I'm glad I'm not like that. <laughs> and we can look at Haman and go, I'm glad I'm not like Haman. But this morning, I believe some of us, in fact, most of us, me included, we'll have times where we're more Haman than Esther. Why? Because we've stopped allowing the king to work on our hearts. And we've just been satisfied with the first date. We've been satisfied with going to the, the surface, but no deeper. We've been satisfied with just that first meeting and no more. Well, I want to say this morning, no more. Let's each one of us strive to go deeper. We heard on Wednesday about the difference between mushrooms and oaks. And a mushroom farm can grow hundreds of mushrooms in the space of about 12 hours. An acorn takes a long time to grow. But which one's stronger? You know, which one's stronger? How did that acorn get so strong? It dug itself deep into the soil. This morning, you want to be strong, you've got to dig yourself deep into the soil. You can't expect somebody else to do it for you. They can help, but you've got to choose to go deep. You've got to choose to go further than just that first time. Verse 14, this is the people he surrounded himself with. His wife Zeresh and all his friends said to him, have a pole set up reaching to a height of 50 cubits, that's about 75 foot I think, and ask the king in the morning to have Mordecai impaled on it. This is a happy story, isn't it, for a Sunday morning? Children are present. This was a 15 certificate sermon. Um, Ask the king in the morning to have Mordecai impaled on it. Then go with the king to the banquet and enjoy yourself. It's quite, this chapter, when you read it, has got a lot of humor in it. Very dark humor. You know, have your enemy impaled on a pole for everyone to see that's 75 feet tall. Then go and enjoy yourself, you know. That's what it says. Then go and enjoy yourself. This suggestion delighted Haman. <laughs> Yay, that's a good idea. Let's impale my enemy on a pole that's really high and then I'll go and enjoy food. You know, that, that is crazy. That is crazy. And Haman had the pole set up. It's, it's sad, isn't it? But sometimes we're a little bit Haman. Sometimes we think when somebody, we surround ourselves with the wrong people who tell us the wrong things and give us bad advice and we go, yes, that's a good idea. I'm going to get even and then I'll feel better and I can go for Nando's. I'll get even, I'll feel better and I can go for a meal. I'll get even. Deal with the issue in the way you want to and enjoy yourself. That's what everyone out there will tell you. Deal with the issue how you want it dealt with and then enjoy yourself. Well, it might get our own way. It might see our enemies impaled on a stake. It might see them get what they maybe deserve. Maybe deserve. Comeuppance, revenge, this delights us. Well, Romans 12, verses 17 to 19 in the message version say this, and I've nearly finished. It says, don't hit back. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. Everyone includes everyone. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. 
Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Do you trust God? Put it in his hands. He'll take care of it. Your job is not to get even. Your job is not to hit back. Your job is to discover beauty in people, even when that's tough. To discover beauty in everyone. Your job is to discover beauty and to get along with everybody because God is the judge. And if we trust him, we can give it to him and he'll take care of it one way or another. You know, this king was merciful. I want to finish by saying this this morning. We have a king who is completely merciful. We have a king who longs for us to meet with him and stay in conversation with him. We have a king who says, I'll take care of it. You just try and get along with everybody. We have a king who says that to us this morning. Psalm 133 has been read a lot recently. It's been in my readings and I think it's significant. And again, in the message version, it says this. It's three verses long. So if you struggle with reading your Bible, find something that's three verses long and meditate on it. It says, how wonderful, how beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. It's like costly anointing oil flowing down head and beard, flowing down Aaron's beard, flowing down the collar of his priestly robes. That's abundance, that isn't it? That is abundance. The oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Do we want an abundance of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. It's like the dew on Mount Hermon flowing down the slopes of Zion. Yes, that's where God commands the blessings, ordains eternal life. You know, oil flowing is about God's presence through his Holy Spirit. That passage in Psalm 133 tells me more about Esther than it does about Haman. Try and find beauty in everyone. Do your best to get along with everybody and trust God to deal with it. Did he deal with it in Esther's case? Yes, he did. Will he deal with it in your case? Yes, he will. Will he deal with you the way you want him to deal with you? Not necessarily. But he will promise to be with you, to love you, and to share his compassion. Unity brings blessing. Unity brings more of his presence. Do we want more of his presence? Yeah. So we need to be willing to be united as brothers and sisters. So as I finish, and this is definitely finishing, are we Esther or Haman? Is there more Haman? We're called to be more Jesus, the real king. Not just to have a, a, a fleeting moment with him, but to have a relationship that goes deep, a relationship that grows, and a relationship where we are changed. Do we want humility or unforgiveness? Do we want rage or wisdom? Do we want faithfulness or lack of focus? Be more like Esther. That's what the king wants. That's what the king wants. I'm going to invite the band up. They're going to lead us in some worship as we come to a close.